Now, Frank Sinatra, transcribed as Rocky Fortune. NBC presents Frank Sinatra, starring as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Hi. Ever see a magician pull a disappearing act on somebody? Well, a guy tried to pull it on me at a carnival once. The only trouble was he was trying to make me disappear for keeps. All right, all right, get to it. One pop and hold a nitroglycerin. One without sauce, 15 cents. Let's have some black coffee, too. One ink, crack, 25. <laughs> Say, Major D. Yeah? How's chances for a guy picking up some steady employment around this county? Ah, you been with it? I used to work in mid-camp with Bensley Brothers. The original 40 thieves, huh? <laughs> well, talk to the boss, he's down in the big tent. Thanks, I will. Mister? Yeah, what is it? Come on, I'm busy. I'd like to buy a hot dog, please. How much is one? Fifteen cents. Oh, I guess I can. Well, could I buy a half a hot dog? I've only got seven cents. Look, kid, go ask your mom for the rest of the dough and come back, huh? I can't. I don't have any more. Oh. Fill them up, Oscar. I'll pay for it. Forget it. On the house. Here you are, kid. Compliments of Bussy Brothers Traveling Shows. I stand there watching the kid down the wiener like he's had a hard winter of Little America. After he finishes, I stake him to another which disappears faster than whiskey at a wake. He's only a little kid, about eight or nine, with blue eyes and brownish hair. He's wearing a leather jacket and brand new blue jeans, a couple of sizes too big. I strike up a conversation. Tastes good? Mm-hmm. How long since you ate anything, kid? This morning when I... When I went out. You here alone? Uh-huh. How old are you? Nine. I mean, eight and three quarters. You been on any of the rides? Uh-uh. I only have seven cents, and it costs a dime. You finished? Uh-huh. Okay, come on. What ride would you like to go on? Gee, you mean it? I said it, didn't I? Come on. Hey, Jack, don't you want the job? It'll keep. Me and the kid here are going to live it up a little. Can we see the fortune teller and everything? Sure, why not? Now? Be my guest, son. I take the kid on everything, including the roller coaster, and I'm having a great time. Only the kid seems serious, like he's got something on his mind. I figure he's got personal problems. Finally, we pass the fortune teller's tent, and his eyes open up like saucers. That's where I want to go, Rocky. The fortune teller? You sure? Uh-huh. Please. Okay, let's go. Who am I to argue? I remember when I was nine years old, things were so bad, I went to a gypsy to find out if I'd live to be ten. So in we go to Madame Zaza's fortune-telling tent. She's a doll, too, small and brunette. The kid sits down all serious, and I listen. What is your name? Billy. Billy Grayson. Ah, yes. 
Let me gaze into the crystal ball. Ah, you are almost nine years old, no? Uh-huh. And you are looking for someone. Yes, yes, I see it now. You are looking for someone you have not seen for a long time. Someone who loves you very much, no? Uh-huh. Then you must not be afraid, for you will find her soon. No kidding? You must go to the house of mystery on the midway. There you will find the person for whom you are searching. Two minutes later, I'm footing after the kid on the way to the house of mystery. We go inside, and the place is a maze of waxwork, skeletons, crazy sounds, and trick mirrors. Just before you go out, there's a guy dressed in a swami suit with a sign that says, Disappear in Coffin. He's got a black box in front of him, and you're supposed to lay down inside, and the bottom opens, and the chute drops you out on the midway again. I get in first and slide down the chute into the sunshine. Then I wait for the kid to come down the chute. I wait, and I wait, and I still wait. That must be the man, officer. Okay, mister, take it easy. Oh, what have you done with him? Who, me? What is this? What's your name, bud? Who wants to know, officer? Me, that's who. Oh. In that case, it's fortune, Rocky Fortune. You know anything about a kid? What kid? Uh, what's his name? William Grayson, Jr. Who's this guy? I'm his guardian, Howard Grimm. I'm waiting for an answer, Fortune. Yeah, he was with me. Uh, you see, officer, the man at the hot dog stand was right. Where's the kid now? In the house of mystery here. At least I think he is. He better be, Fortune. Hey, what's going on here? I meet the kid, I buy him a hot dog and a few rides, and you act like I put the snatch on him or something. The boy has been missing from my home since last night, Mr. Fortune. We traced him to this carnival. If he's unharmed, you have nothing to worry about. Come on, let's go in and get him. I'd better wait here in case he comes down to shoot. Uh, you better come with us, Fortune. Let's go. We hustle around to the barker in front of the house of mystery, and the cop tells him we want in. I'm not exactly worried, but what the barker has to say next makes me a little uneasy. This is a feeling which will grow in the next few minutes. All right, it's on the inside. It's all on the inside. Witness the greatest spectacle of the ages. The famous seven steps to heaven. The oriental water torture. The chest of celestial bliss. See the living skeleton and experience the disappearing coffin on the inside. Hey, Mac. Just a minute, Chester. On the inside, 25 cents. No. All right, officer. What's the beef? Everything is clean. We've been inspected by the Legion of Cleanliness and also to fix us in with the chief of police. Now, go away. You're blocking up the entrance. We're looking for a little boy about nine. Went in with this fellow here about a few minutes ago. Sorry, officer. We don't admit children. And this egg face I never saw before in my life. Hold it up, Mac. You sold us a ticket yourself. Buster, you're dreaming. You've been smoking bath salts. Look. I went in with a little boy. You talk to him. Get him off of my back, will you, officer? I got work to do. I need... Officer, he don't remember. The kid is inside. You mind if we look around? Help yourself. Just don't finger the finery. Let's go, Fortune. And Mr. Grimm, you wait out here in case he comes out. On the inside, folks, the greatest of medieval torture chambers and criminal reenactments ever assembled under one roof, and you can see it for only a quarter the fourth part of the hour. We enter the house of mystery, and I can feel the hot breath of a fat cop on the hot nape of my neck. Billy! Billy, it's me! Rocky, where are you, kid? Billy! He must be hiding here somewhere. Uh-huh. Let's ask the guy in the swami suit. Yeah. 
Hey, Baghdad. You were addressing me, sire? Yeah, I was addressing thee. Where's the little kid with the light hair? Sire? The kid who came in with me, remember? I got into the coffin and the kid was right behind me, only he never came out. Sire, I know not whereof you speak. You're gonna know whereof I sock thee if this rat race doesn't end pretty soon. Now, where is he? Please, sire, you're creasing up the cashmere. Talk, big boy. Hey, let him, let him, let him go, Fortune. Listen, Uncle, did you see a kid in here a little while ago with this chimpanzee? I ain't ever laid an eyeball on this character. What is he, crazy or something? Listen, Houdini, I'm gonna bust you right in the mouth. Okay, of okay, now come off it. Let's go, Fortune. Officer, this is some kind of frame-up. Uh-huh. That's what Mr. Grimm thinks. You see, Fortune, the kid disappeared from his house, which is in Jersey. This is New York, understand? Mm. So if the kid ain't found, Grimm is going to charge a kidnapping under the Lindbergh law. You follow me? I'd like to follow you, pal, but right now I got more important things to do, like finding that kid. Look out. Grab it! He's going down the chute! I see him getting nowhere with the law, so I take a Brody down the chute. When I hit the bottom, I stand there for a minute like a horse on a concrete pasture trying to make up his mind. The nearest place is the mid-camp where the gypsy lady does her palm reading, so I duck in. Ah, welcome back, sir. What will it be? Here's a buck. Give me the works. Palm reading, crystal ball. You can even feel the bumps in my head. This is a big order. You look like you can handle it, Madame Zaza. I will try. What is it you wish to know? What did you do with the kid? I beg your pardon? Come on, baby. Cut the phony accent and level with me. Where's the kid? How should I know? That crystal ball routine about the house of mystery, that don't wash, Zazie. So let's have a little plain and fancy prognostication before the gendarmes arrive. Gendarmes? The cops are after me. They think I snatched the kid. Huh? So predict. Okay, Mr... Fortune. Rocky Fortune. Okay, Mr. Fortune... I predict that if you move one inch, I'll put a bullet through your chest. Don't try anything. You're the first gypsy I ever saw with a forty-five caliber crystal ball. Shut up. Hey, Marvo. Yeah? Come out front. Who's this? His name is Fortune. Meet Marvo, the world's biggest giant. I eat guys like him for breakfast. He working for Grimm? I don't know. He gave me a song and dance about the law being after him. Yeah? Maybe we should give him back. Are you crazy? If they think he's got the kid, let him think so. Yeah. I guess you're right. Look, can you keep him under wraps until the show moves out? I guess so. They'll be looking for him. Leave it to me. I got just a spot for him. I got a spot for you, too, Buster. Well, what'll you do with him? Leave him to me. Okay, Fortune. Let's go. A pleasure. Before we leave, would you like to try this crystal ball for size? This guy don't even budge. So I'm getting ready to haul off with the table when Zaza lowers the boom on the back of my skull and it's off to the Never Never Land. <laughs> I figure I'm dreaming until I open my eyes. I am in a cage about the size of a telephone booth. My mouth is muzzled and my hands are chained to the bars of the cage. When I get both eyes open, I can see that Marvo has got me rigged up in a leopard skin with fake hair and war paint. 
when a kid throws me a peanut, it suddenly dawns. The wild man from Borneo is me. Boy, I want to hit him with a penis. I to oh, hey, kid, you the animals. Hey, buddy. Yeah. We're looking for a kind of medium-sized, dark-haired guy named Fortune. You seen anybody like that around? I seen a thousand guys like that. He may have a small boy with him. Seen a thousand guys like that, too. No, it's no use, officer. He's gotten away and taken the boy. Uh, maybe. I'll notify headquarters and have an alarm broadcast. Hey, what's bothering the wild man? He, uh, he must see a dame or something. Every time he sees a dame, he goes crazy. Right, Sarge? <laughs> I see more ferocious-looking wild men at the YMCA. He's been sick. Oh. How come you got a muzzle on him? That's no muzzle, Sergeant. That's him. I spend the rest of the day ducking peanuts, trying to work the muzzle loose, but it's no use. Along about supper time, I manage to slip my hands out of the cups, along with almost half my skin. When the barker comes in to feed me my kennel ration, I am ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you will now witness the wild man from Borneo eating raw meat with his bare hands. Stand back now, he's dangerous. Okay, Jack, I'm taking a muzzle off, but one peep in our brain here. You got that? There. Thanks a lot. talking. Here's something to eat. Give him a good show. I'll give him a real good show, Doc. Right now. Hey, grab him! Get out of my way, lady, or I'll bite you. There he goes! off down the midway in my leopard skin like Seabiscuit running the Preakness. I duck into the first tent I can find and I run out the other end. The next tent looks like a pretty good bet, so I duck inside that one. Nobody home, I think. On a second look, I see I'm not alone. Sleeping on a little bed in one corner of the tent is a midget wearing a full-dress suit and a high hat. Before I can move out, I hear somebody coming. I duck into an open steamer trunk and make like a wee mouse. She ran down this way. Don't make any noise. Come on in. Well, everything looks okay in here. Yeah, he's asleep. We better not disturb him. I still think you ought to get out of here. Both of you. Well, the show is moving out tonight. We'll be okay once we leave town. Not with this fortune character running around loose. You're not afraid of him, are you? Don't be ridiculous. Unless he knows what's going on. No, the boy didn't tell him anything. I'm more worried about Grimm and the law than I am about anything else. I'll take care of Grimm if he tries anything, too. We better get back to the midway for the evening show. Oh, no, you go ahead. I want to make sure everything's all right. Yell if you need me. Thanks, Mom. You've been wonderful. All of you. Oh, forget it. We do the same for anybody in the show. You know that. I'll see you later. I lift the cover of the trunk and peep out. Zaza, the gypsy lady from Brooklyn, goes over to the bed where the midget's sleeping. I see her pull the cover up over him, and then she leans over and kisses him on the forehead. As she straightens up, I suddenly get wise to what's going on. Hold it, baby. Who's that? It's me, honey, Rocky. Don't move and don't yell, or I'll give you a reason. What do you want? First of all, I want to know what's going on here. It's none of your business. Lady... I got a lump in my skull. The cops are after me. I've been pelted by peanuts, locked in a cage and fed raw horse meat. Now, don't tell me it's none of my business. You start talking right now, I'm going to yell for the law. You wouldn't dare. No. Oh, please. Oh, don't. 
I'll tell you. That's a good girl. You can start by telling me why you got that kid dressed up in a midget suit. Oh, we thought it would be a good way to hide him. That makes sense. Now, how come you snatched him? We didn't snatch him. He came because he wanted to. What? It's true. Wait a minute, baby. Just who are you? I'm his mother. His mother? Billy's father died when he was four. I was with the carnival. His father came from a good family, and they didn't approve of the marriage. See, Billy's grandparents went to court and persuaded the judge I wasn't fit to raise the boy, that carnival life would ruin him. So Mr. Grimm was appointed his guardian, and I was denied the right to see him. I begin to get the picture. Go on. Well, we'd been writing to each other, and I managed to see him a few times when the show was around here. He wasn't very happy with his grandparents. So you decided to take him away? Well, when I found we were playing New York, I telephoned Billy and arranged for him to run away and meet me at the carnival. And the carny folks are all in on it, huh? Yeah. You know, baby, if you'd bothered to tell me this sooner, we could have saved a lot of trouble. <laughs> at first, I thought you were working for Grimm. Don't insult me. You know, I'm really sorry about what happened. The big question is, what are you going to do now? Grimm and the cops are still looking for the kid, also for me. I'll take full responsibility for what happened. That means surrendering Billy to the law. Yeah, I... I know. With a good lawyer, you might even be able to get custody. I've got to get him, Mr. Fortune. He needs somebody to love him and take care of him. Carney life may not be the best thing in the world, but at least we'll be together. You want me to get the cops? I... You won't get away with it anyway, honey. No, I suppose it was crazy. All right, get the police. Uh, before I go... Yeah? You think maybe I could get a pair of pants? The slipper skin's a little drafty. She gives me a pair of pants and a shirt which belonged to her pal Marvo, the world's biggest junk. And I hit the midway looking like my tailor is Omar the tent maker. Yeah, pardon me, officer. Yeah? I think you gentlemen are looking for me. Listen, Fudd, we're busy. Now go away. Fortune, grab him. Okay, we got you. Take it easy. I gave up, remember? If you still want the kid, I know where he is. Where might that be? In the dressing tent with his mother. His mother? That's what I said, Mr. Grimm. Come on, officer. Let's go, Fortune. Well, I roll up my cuffs. The surge is getting underfoot. We backtrack to Zaza Grayson's tent, but before we get inside, the dame comes running out to meet us. Lucky, he's gone. Huh? Billy, he's gone. He must have overheard us and run away. Hold it a second. Let me get this straight. The kid is loose again? Right after Rocky left the tent, I went over to tuck him in and he's gone. Oh, this is getting ridiculous. We've got to find him. Come on. Oh, no, whoa, boy. Whoa, back up about 40 feet. But the kid I've is had got... just about enough fortune. You and Madame Zaza here coming down to headquarters for a couple of hundred hours of questioning. Sergeant, we've been through this before, but I'm afraid we're going to have to do a retake. Once again, they're off and running at Hialeah. This time, it's Rocky Fortune in the lead, stumbling along inside a pair of oversized pants like Dopey the Seventh Dwarf. Second is Sergeant Aloysius Ryan of the Park Police, followed in a close third by Howard Grimm. Rounding the first turn of the midway is still Fortune by a collar button. Ryan second and Grimm third. Just when I'm getting ready to pull up lame, we pass the house of mystery and I duck inside. It's dark in the diver's glove, but I work my way through the maze toward the disappearing coffin, figuring I'll give him the slip. 
Fortune. Come out of there. Come out or I'll blast you out. I'll count to three. One, two, three. I'll make a dive for the disappearing coffin and land inside, right on top of a small squirming boy. Ouch. Billy. Rocky. Wait till I close the cover. Shh. Now keep quiet. Rocky, I heard you say you were going to send me back, and so I ran away. I don't want to go back, Rocky. I want to stay with my mom. Will you keep quiet? Okay, Fortune, I know you're someplace in here. Now come on out. Don't make a sound, kid. He's right outside. Okay. Shh. If you're in that coffin, I'll count to three. Then I start pumping lead. One. Two. Hey, look out! The graceful sergeant had managed to step right on the lever that opened the trap, and down we go. Two seconds later, the kid and me are dumped right in the midway, followed by Sergeant Ryan, who lands right on top of me with his 200 pounds of solid blubber. And I am down for the count. Okay, on your feet. You too, kid. Don't try to run away. Billy, oh. Billy, Billy, are you all right? Oh, Billy. He's okay. Are you, Rocky? Fine. Except I feel like I've been stepped on by a dinosaur. Mom, they're going to take me away. I don't want to go away. Oh, no, darling. They aren't going to take you away. They're not? No. Mr. Grimm says that I can come and live with you at Grandma and Grandpa's. Honest? Uh -huh. If you folks have just given me a chance to explain, I've been trying to contact Mrs. Grayson to tell her that the boy's grandparents realize he isn't happy without his mother. Of course They want her to come and live with them. Is this on the level? It's on the level, Rocky. As soon as the boy ran away, the grandparents realized how much he misses her. You mean this belt on a noggin and all this chasing around and running us off for nothing? Well, not exactly for nothing, Rocky. You can get a job out of it if you want to. A job? Uh-huh. The giant Marvo is one of the owners. He says he'll put you on starting tonight, if you like. You'll excuse the expression, put me on as what? Well, Marvo says you gave such a great performance, he'd like to hire you as a wild man from Borneo. NBC has presented Frank Sinatra as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Others in tonight's cast were Bryna Rayburn, David Pfeffer, Bill Griffiths, Ken Williams, Leon Jenny, and Mason Adams. Tonight's script was written by George Lefferts. Fred Way directed. We in this country have never experienced the horror of an air raid. And yet during these perilous times in which we live, such an air raid on our homes and cities is possible. Modern war makers strike without warning, hoping to cause the greatest damage in a single surprise blow. For the sake of our lives as individuals and as a nation, we must know how to protect ourselves if such an attack should come. Attack from the air, even atomic attack, can be survived. Knowing what to do in an air raid and in the moments immediately following it may save your life. Every home should have on hand a complete kit of up-to-date disaster first aid items. These items are listed and described in an official pamphlet 
which may be obtained free of charge by writing to the Federal Civil Defense Administration in Washington, D.C. Besides obtaining the first aid kit, every household should have someone trained to use first aid materials. By enrolling for Red Cross first aid training, you can acquire the skill and knowledge that may save the lives of members of your family as well as your neighbors. This is the NBC Radio Network.